Hi, welcome to today's podcast. It's Thursday, September 29th. Uh, back for a second visit. Running for state representative is the phenomenal Erica White. Um, you'll remember Erica from her first visit. Erica, again, running for state rep representative. She is a union girl, um, but she also has a regular full-time job in addition to the full-time job of running for state representative. Um, a lot of workers' rights, a lot of obviously union, which has been a hot topic. Um, I had some data pulled for when Erica and I were supposed to originally connect three, four weeks ago, um, and I'll recite it here but also in the podcast, union interest is up as high as it's been in decades, like since the 50s and 60s. And you'll hear me uh, struggle to get some notes I had in my recent del- recently deleted folder in the photos in my phone that I wanted to share with Erica. And I did after we shut things down, but I'll read this to you now and then we'll dive into a visit with the fantastic Erica Green. And we talked a lot about inflation and workers and employers and going on strike and how can we fix some of these things because we are all so worried about money. Um, There are many channels through which the Fed tightening can help bring down demand and inflation without people losing their jobs. As of right now, uh, the Fed wants to get unemployment to a percentage in the fours, which means about a million or so, or a bit more than that, Americans, maybe you, will lose your job. Now, I guess overall for people who are at work, it's a very small percentage, but a million sounds like a lot. And it's definitely a lot if you're one of those people. And I would guess if we get inflation down over the course of some time, will go well beyond that million or million and a half. Not nearly as awful as 2008, but um, the pain that you might keep hearing about with getting inflation down is going to cost people jobs. That's why all along I have said, I'd rather have high prices knowing we can all find a way to pick up a couple extra bucks than prices coming down a little, but not nearly what they were during uh, pre-COVID times. And struggling to find work. Anyway, um, there are many channels through which the Fed tightening can help bring down demand and inflation without people losing their jobs. An affluent investor decides they can't afford a vacation home because of stock market losses. Or a business accepts lower profit margins because it believes it can't raise prices in a slump. How likely do you think either of those two things are of happening? I have very little faith in them. That's why I have been very fearful of what's to come. I'm really excited what's to come now with our discussion with Erica White. Hello, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. Doing good here. How how in the world? So last time you were here, mm-hmm. we talked about you running a state rep- representative. Yes. Um, I want to come back to that in a second, but when we had coffee a couple weeks ago, I was like, hold on a second, hold on a second. You, you have a full-time <laughs> job on top of all this? Yeah. Can, can we talk briefly about, can I say where you work? Yes, that's okay. fine. That's you, fine. You work for AT and T, and you like build you you build and create like fiber optic networks. Yes, I'm very proud of that. So I've worked at UT UT and T AT and T. Don't tell them I said that. So many letters. <laughs> AT and T for um, 30 years. I started right, right out of high school, where you still had that opportunity whether to decide whether you wanted to go to college or you wanted to enter in a skilled trade or a job. And I entered the job market instead. So I started off as an information operator, worked my way up. Um, technical specialist, went back to being an operator, and now I'm in the engineering department. So I'm very proud of it. And it is, it is a um, union job, so it's offered me a lot of opportunities and job security. So I am, um, I'm very proud to um, be a CWA uh, member and work at a union company, AT&T. How, how do you manage that job, which is probably more than 40 hours a week and maybe not even like eight or whatever at a time and there's work before and after work and mm-hmm. emails after hours how do you manage that and keep the campaign going to uh to your pleasure uh, well i'm gonna tell you i have i have people helping me and i have to be very meticulous and intentional with my time so i normally am up between 4 30 and 6 depending when i'm like <gasps> you know what I got to do today is like they, you get that feeling in the morning. And I think most people have that. It's not like you actually plan to wake up. Your brain's like, knock, knock. We got stuff to do. As I, uh, as I read a meme a couple, not that long ago, 
what was it? Uh, you don't need an alarm clock when you're you're our age. Your problems wake you up. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's true. So I normally get up um, and I start working, and then I'm normally um, in the office. Normally, between like um, between seven thirty and eight, um, I'm working. Uh, and then when I'm off at 3.30 about, um, sometimes I'm until 4, depending if I have started a little later because of I'm handling some union issues. I go right back into go out canvassing, and then I finish up all my, um, anything I have to do with my, you know, representing my members that requires paperwork in the evening. So it's I start, it's a full, <laughs> and while I think about it, I'm like, what is wrong with me? But it's like, I, it's a full, like, I start, I would say at the most part, by 5.45, 6 in the morning, and I go until like 11.30 at night. It's like two full-time jobs. Yes, it when, is. When's the last time you took half a day and did something fun? Oh, wow. That would be, you would have to like define fun. <laughs> to me, fun sometimes Some, is just... Something where there was no, <laughs> there was nothing that benefited your campaign by doing it. Because I know, like, you like going out to festivals and parades and stuff. But, like, the last right. time you and your husband um, were like, we're going to go out and have dinner. We're not going to shake any hands. Nothing. No campaigning. Nothing. We're just going to enjoy ourselves. We do go out to dinner. I, I do like to eat. <laughs> so we've done that. But if you would like a vacation. Not a vacation. Not I a vacation. mean, like, half a day and you just, you literally shut your phone off. Oh, no. I can't even remember when I did that. No, You're going to need to. I mean, how have you not burned out? I don't know. I don't know. I think probably because I have adult ADHD. Now I did. Um, I have diagnosed myself, but no. I, I think that's what it is. And you know what it really is, Eric, is that I'm focused on the goal, and so everything else that happens, I'm just like, if I could, I only have to make it through to this point. I'd have to do this. I've got to put in this much work in order to get there. So I just focus on. That and, and it is a big ask for me to ask my family and and friends. And I was like, I know I'm a horrible friend right now, but if you just give me to November 9th, I'll be your friend again. And right. and it is it's that humility. But I I think for me, I keep thinking if I give myself a break now, then I really don't want to win. If I want to take that break now, then I'm really not serious about what I'm set here, what I'm supposed to be working to do. I know I have a time where I'm going to take a break, and it's after the work is done. And that just once I have that in my mindset, it's like, okay, we have how many more days? <laughs> From what I see of you, you're, you're, you're high energy. You've always got a smile on your face. But has there ever been a time during all this working these, whatever they are, 16, 17, 18-hour days, where you've like fallen asleep at a red light or something? Do you ever <laughs> run out of energy? No, it's it's just when I sit down, I start yawning. I'm surprised I'm not yawning. And now, um, normally when I... When I run out of energy, is about 11, between 11.30 and 11.39 at night. And the reason why I say that, because that's the last number, I, I, that's the last time I remember looking at my phone. Right. So it's just, um, not too much. It's just, it's so, and again, I know I can't stay at this level. That cortisol level, you know, everything, I'm, I'm so hyped up all the time and trying to do stuff. I really, it's very hard to relax. And, yeah. And that's something I'm going to have to learn to do again. And I, and I, would like people to, I mean, I think of any job or whether you're running for office, sometimes you're so focused and whether you're buying a house or planning a wedding, you're so hyped up on, on getting things done that your brain is like telling my brain, teaching it again to be quiet. Yeah. It's never quiet anymore. Yeah. And you will have to retrain it. The good thing is it, it takes real effort, but you can retrain your brain. Right. Um, how long have you been going at this pace? <laughs> Wow, um, this has been happening. So I would say they announced the, our new districts about June. So we've been really, it's been ebbing forward nonstop. So I said at this heightened pace, uh, since after Labor Day, we've been pushing it out. Since since June and the redistricting and you threw your, your hat in the ring. And I don't think you, were, you weren't part of the primary primary, right? That's right. Um, I it was supposed to be Nick Comives and I got drawn in the same district. Um, and Nick ended up, he ended up dropping out. So that's how I did have a primary, but I had an unofficial primary. Right. It, was, it was it was weird even for me. Um, so his, they didn't list his name on some things, on some things they didn't. They didn't count the ballot. It was just really weird. So I I did did not have a primary. And you're, is his name Danny Marin, Derek Marin, Marin? Yeah, that Merrick Marin, yeah. Show it's a little a, respect for your okay. opponent. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's it, it's Marin. I'm loosely familiar with, yes. with him. Um, you're running for state representative. If you win and you are elected, um, what were, what will your duties be? 
So the duties of a state representative is to mainly bring back resources to this community. So even though you're divided into districts, because you've got to have people represent each district because it's a large area, the main thing we do is to work together with other representatives that are, are elected and bring back resources to Northwest Ohio. Um, and when we talk about resources, that means money, <laughs> recognition, right. and also um, having people know what goes on here. So you go to the state house, you're writing bills and legislation. So we know a lot of um, things have been turned over to state rights. So again, just reminding people the closer, the lower, the lower, the lower, the, I would say the, the lower the level, level the politician like the more touch you got the more influence you can have yes. whether it's a neighborhood watch to city right. council to mayor to governor to, to president I mean because we all get fired up about presidential elections because can't touch them I mean and it sounds bad I'm sorry not the right but the you're not going to call up um, the president and say hey yo what's up I live over here on such and such street you know what's going on? But you can definitely call your state rep, your yeah, city council person. You should. Like, <laughs> right. It, it, it's, I, I know it, it kind of gets overlooked. And maybe living where I lived, it was different um, in Philadelphia and Detroit. Like, these are these are big cities. Yeah. Um, and council, council members have large, very large constituencies. And maybe there's people that you can funnel up through them. Um but you'll run into Nick all over downtown <laughs> and other places. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You see, and she tells you to call her Marcy. I mean, you have to remember sometime when you're doing stuff, and you'll be like, Congresswoman. But she's like, you'll see Marcy pumping her gas at Kroger or shopping inside of Kroger. I mean, how many times have we seen that? And she walking down the street, and you'll see the mayor, whether it's the mayor of Waterville, you know, or the mayor of Toledo or city council. Mike you, Bell was always, Mike Bell was two places. You could easily, well, three places. You could find Mike Bell at the Big B, where Sip is now. Yes, you still can. Uh, I, I see I've him. I've never seen him in there. I, maybe <laughs> he I go goes to there. <laughs> Tailgating at UT mm-hmm. or at the Kroger on Secor and Monroe. Absolutely. What's Marcy Castor's Kroger? Fitness. The Kroger she goes to is by my house, the Holland Sylvania Bancroft. Now, oh, that's the sneaky Kroger. That that's nobody baby goes Kroger. To. That's baby yes! Kroger. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes. So that's that's where I'm at. Um, and I've said this before. Like this is this is a city. This is a metro. Not a metropolis. It is definitely a, a metro. We're not as big as Columbus or Cleveland or Cincinnati, but this is a city. But it's the smallest. It has a small town vibe to it where you, as you just said, you can run into these people who represent us in this city all over the place. And talk with them. And I think that's what makes Northwest Ohio, my opinion, such a special place. Like, we're always like, oh, we don't have this, we don't have that. And I'm like, look, we are the largest city here. Lucas County is huge. It's, it's It's a fairly populated area. It's fourth largest in the state. That's to say something when you consider Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati, how large they are. Don't think we are the fourth largest. So there is, it's very important that people in this area realize that and how progressive Toledo really is. I mean, we are very progressive. So to make sure that you're electing people that are going to take that progress and what we're working toward to Columbus, but while we're there also represent what it means to be from a big, small town and bring it back here and make sure that we continue that growth and, and where we're headed. I mean, it's exciting when you look at downtown Maumee or downtown Toledo or you ride through Waterville or White House and you see what's happening um, or you go out to festivals and you really get to see the people. Yeah. And you realize, wow, you know what? Our values are pretty much all the same. I don't... I. I just want to get back to a point where we really are talking about people and people know that the people that represent them are people too. In a, in a terrible way, um, and, and no one would ever accuse me of finding silver linings or, or being the optimist. I'm, I, I view myself <laughs> very much as a realist and some people will say, well, that's just pessimism. No, it, it, it's reality. But in a very it smacks though perverted way, <laughs> like... The inflation problems mm-hmm. um, have kind of pushed aside a lot of the dissension that we experienced from 2016 through the last election because there isn't a single person who who doesn't have money at the top of their mind. Like I always say when people are all about shop local, be vegan, blah, blah, blah. Um People will, will shop local if they can, but at the end of the day, they're going to make their decisions because of money. And it doesn't matter what, where you align with 
uh, politically, at the end of the day, money is one of, if not the most important thing in your life. And yeah, do different sides of the aisle want to maybe make it better for you in different ways? Sure. But I can look at somebody who looks nothing like me, whether they are in LaGrange or whether I came from where I came from today in Wallbridge. And there's one thing at the top of their mind right now, money. And we can all in a real weird way agree on that because we want it to be a better situation for all of us. Nobody wants to pay two dollars for ramen. <laughs> Should be a dollar all the time for life. <laughs> ten for a dollar. Remember they, what was that? Ten for two. <laughs> but, yeah. Let, let me ask you this. Um, you're you're one big contrast, like a, a weird dichotomy. You're uh, you're a black woman in a black family. You are. What's is your mom or dad white or there's some Jewish I'm, in there too? I'm actually adopted. Yep. So I am adopted. So my um, biological mother is German and my biological father is African American and Native American. Your husband is is black guy. Yep. You From guys the old South End. Woohoo! Jones Junior High, Mr. Schroeder. Sorry. You guys live in Holland. Holland. Actually, Holland. we live in Springfield Township. We live in the township. Okay, in township. <laughs> no, just um, like some people. There are mm-hmm. not many people who look like your family there compared to like Toledo. That's like right. a couple That's of right. miles away from where I live. Um, and I'm not saying that there is racism in that community or whatever. You just look different from a lot of people. Yeah. Similarly, as someone who is, you do what you do because of unions and workers. And mm-hmm. I find absolutely one of the things that I wanted to talk about when we initially caught up was, and I've seen, I'm sure you've seen this and we've watched it grow since we first started a chat. Union interest or questions is as high as it's been in 50 years because of the money issues. And people are finally recognizing that the corporate pay between CEOs and workers and it, it it's big and we want to work on that. But when you talk about unions, you bring an interesting contrast of people together. Uh, unions, you typically think of, of blue collar workers, um, minorities in a lot of ways, but you also think about people who have been working factories for a long time and might've, voted for that president in 2016. It's a melting pot under union. How do you manage that? And, and what's your perspective of that? And when it comes to, and that's the interesting thing that you meant, that the union, or which is means nothing but working people coming together to have a voice in their workplace. And that's not just wages, that's safety, that's longevity, that's job security, Those all those things that are important. The, when we talk about how things have changed, People only think factory workers, and I, I definitely, you know, I applaud that factory workers is not to say, but when we look at, I'm starting at factory workers, and I'm going all the way out to educators, teachers. I'm a, I'm a broad. Starbucks. We've, we've seen that. I'm oh sure people gosh, have seen excited. that. It's everywhere now. For soccer players. I mean, we, we just, AT&T, um, sorry, CWA, we just did coders. So what you're starting to realize that people realize and they accept now, and they're very proud of the fact that whether someone else signs your check or you're a small business owner signing someone else's check, we're all workers, and that work has value and it has dignity. So when you're bringing people together, you're looking at, I don't I always tell people, I have to learn about your job. I, I understand what, what, it, what it means to like talk about the hours of work, the range of work, what it means for safety at work, but when it comes to knowing your job, I I would never say or assume that I know what it's like to do your job. Even what you do, Eric, every day. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what stress oh, yeah. you go through. When we and so this interest in um, people coming together. When I when I'm sitting there representing someone or I'm helping them get their contract, whether it's their first contract or their fifth contract, I don't care who you were, how you worship. I don't care what gender you are, how you gender identify. I don't care. Um, what race you are, I don't. I don't care about any. I don't care where you live because when you're sitting next to me, what I see here is someone that's trying to make a living for their family, for themselves, and for their future. So I'm going to sit down and I'm going to fight hard with you, not for you, but with you. And people see that. And like you said, it's the wages. And then what do we talk about? What happened through um, through the pandemic? I call it the great worker migration. Yeah. And people, and I, I think it's hilarious when people say, I've heard people say two things to me that bother me that I've, I've spoke up about. One is that people don't want to work. And I remind them, we don't know how many people have died, the true numbers, and, and have died or have been severely injured where they cannot work during this pandemic. So it caused this job opening. And people are like, hey, if I'm going to make $15 over here, I really always wanted to do that. They need people. I'm going to move there. And um, so I tell you, it's not that people don't work. People are choosing where to work. Yeah. And where they want to fight to work, like a Starbucks. There are people... 
Starbucks plays tuition and benefits. That's why people think it's important. You know, and the other thing is you want to look at when they say, I was talking to a friend, she's like, people just don't want to come in here and work two and three jobs anymore. You know, and I said, who would want to work two to three jobs yeah. when they can work one job? Can we talk? Can we break that down a little bit? I was yeah. having a discussion with somebody that I, I really like, somebody who I will have a Facebook discussion with last night. And we were talking about um, kind of that. And we're both of the same age and, and, and you as well. Um, we could... Jobs now where people are seeking a livable wage or higher, and I, livable wage is a is is really toxic to me. And, I say and, family sustaining. Well, sustains a family, and, and the, even a family of one. The narrative gets away. I, I just right. want higher wages, wages for something. People for some, I'll, I'll use the when we were growing up. Like I just wanted to work after school or on the weekends and make some part time money. Um, I worked at the skating rink. I also worked at a place that was basically like an ice cream shop. And I think too many people are now are being pushed into those types of jobs, which were for people like us or older retired types. And now people in the prime of their working lives are being pushed into those jobs for one reason or another. And that's a four hour conversation. And yeah, they're not being paid enough um, on those jobs because they weren't initially made for them. But I also can't pay you $45,000 to scoop ice cream for... (laughs) It like there's a and that's why livable wage and some of these th- things get really weird and there's so many tentacles. I don't want someone to work two and three jobs, but when one job doesn't pay enough, and that there is a difference for me between a job and a career, and why somebody couldn't get to a career is seven other things. So I just threw a lot of word vomit at you. Just give me your thoughts. <laughs> Well, I'll start with the first thing. The reason why there were so many college graduates spending unsurmountable money to go to college to get a degree and then graduating and having to work at, you know, what I'd say at Walmart or having to work at the ice cream shop or that um, or Starbucks with the degrees because there has been this as productivity and that have risen. We know there's a stagnation in in workers wages. Right. Mm -hmm. And also employers were less stingy to hire here because they were sending everything overseas, right? So when you start taking away jobs and sending them overseas, they're less than, we don't, when people, the new generation stepped forward and said, we're here, there was no place for them. So now what we've seen is now that these places have opened up or now they need, people are moving, you know, and and people don't want to work two and three jobs. And when you talk about that, going back to that, if you're upset about the crime rate that's happening in Toledo, and I'm sorry, nowhere do we live in Lucas County where you can gate off entire suburb. You cannot. So one thing we know that you have to care about what's happening because Toledo's the heart. And wherever the heart is, the arteries go out into other areas. And everybody has to come back in at some point to the heart, whether you're going to go downtown and watch a concert or you're just going to go downtown Toledo, you want to go to casino. We have to watch. If we don't have people where they have hope, where they can get a job that has decent wages, they can supply. They can take care of their family, or maybe you're a first-time felon and, and you're just getting out of jail and you want to get out and find a decent job. If we don't have that, that's where we see crime continue to rise. We have a chance. The way we take down racism, and there's been studies on this. The way we handle rising crime, that happens by two by just one big thing by people being able to find a job which pays a livable wage. What do you call it? livable? Family sustaining a wage. And I always say that a prevailing wage that allows them to live in the community of which they wish they wish to live. So, of course, if you live in Toledo, maybe the prevailing wage is going to be different here than it's going to be in Columbus. I get that. It's a different cost of living. So there are so many details involved in all of this. Yes. Um, And I I always keep coming back to and I I think we all do. um, Wages have not matched where inflation has been really for several several decades like you bring up a great example um i was talking about like when we were in high school we would we would go be baristas or my skating rink job or after school stuff where you pick up 15 to 20 hours and that local business or whatever wasn't expected to pay you a livable wage right because it was extra hours but we got to that point where costs started going up and these students got their degrees and stuff and they couldn't quite get into where they wanted to work yet. So they had to work these jobs. Um, and again, there's a lot of things going on here, but how do we get people to jobs where they can sustain, they can sustain the lifestyle that they want? 
Um, Because we're talking about maybe getting people qualified, maybe employers actually opening up their eyes and going, things I do now. We can hire somebody with a disability. We can hire someone who's a felon because they, they, hey, this hiring these people who I might traditionally overlook will allow me to take down my now hiring sign. And you help the community. That's the big thing. Now hiring sign down, you help the community. I mean, it's one of the exciting things. And and you bring up an interesting point. You know, um, there's a, there's a phrase that I, I, I'll say I highly dislike, and that's to pay your dues. <laughs> I hear people say, yeah, pay your dues. And I said, why would I demand someone pay their dues when I can show you how to skip all the mistakes I made? I hope that you would get farther than me so I can one day work for you. I'm, and that's what I, I and I know it's a different mindset, and that's my mindset. And, and what we also have to look at is that someone, if you have experience, it is. It, there are some parts of the same as having a degree on on most jobs, not all jobs. Of course, I don't want anyone that watched Doogie Howser or, you know, what's my favorite one? The young one where the uh, kid has autism and he's a doctor, the good doctor. I love the okay. good doctor. Now, you know, I, you know, just because you watched a couple of those shows, I'm not comfortable <laughs> or you have an EMT license. If you know, you know, doing a little surgery on me, I'm not good with that. But it does mean that you might have other skill sets that match what employers are looking for. So not only while we're talking about this great worker migration, it's where work where where workplaces have to really look at. And I'm not talking about mom and pop small businesses. I'm really talking yeah. about big corporations where they have gouged the, the American worker by sending our jobs overseas, by still get, receiving tax credits. And that's in the state of Ohio, which I have a big problem with. You move a call center or this out to overseas. You've gouged American um, worker on while you brought things back and made them cost more. And you've continued yeah. to raise that. You continue to drive down um, stagnate um wages while we're working harder because what is the american dream what is the american work the harder you work the more you get but you and it's not working like that anymore we can, no it's not and we can really pick this apart and and, and again we could literally go and we would go in circles for hours and hours <laughs> like you you said two things and i'll keep them brief and we'll just keep going no, go back ahead. And forth. pay your dues it's a lot more challenging. Like I, some people should pay their dues because you know what? You might have all the smarts to do this job, and I don't want you to do it necessarily for free. But you have some emotional learning in this workplace to learn. So right. I'm not going to pay you, and you need to make mistakes. Now maybe that's a college internship, um, but I also know that pay your dues means somebody can afford to work for free because they are more affluent when someone else who might be equally skilled, who's coming out of the, a bad neighborhood cannot and they can't take that unpaid job um what was the other thing oh we we're talking about um the corporations gouging american workers oh, they're definitely doing that. i mean you bring up the other side of that like not only are people not getting paid enough but costs are again things are going up you make it for a penny in china and you sell it back here for 555 plus tax and and it's like what is going on i i always like will be will would we be worse off though even though that's bad is like a lot of times like car jobs have been sent overseas for for years and years and years but does that mean while people here might have jobs we're paying more for our products to buy them domestically i you know i'm i'm all for fair trade I agree with fair trade. I'm not agreeing at all with free trade. I'm I'm not okay with free trade. Fair trade makes sense and at one time, there was this, and, and we talk about things being made in America. It's hard to find things made in America because all of the resources that allow people to make things made in America, you have to get overseas. There has to be some point when we look at when do we start to invest in American worker? Because when we invest in American worker, we invest in the American economy. And if you invest in the American economy, American worker, then you're investing in Ohio. If you're investing in Ohio, you're investing right here in Lucas County. You're saying that workers have value to move the economy. What we've seen is as this has started happening, prices are going up, that the tax base or who they're taxing more are working class people. And it's not, and I will say it is a Republican Party. They are Their tax breaks are on the backs of working class people. And they can make as many commercials as they want. I would implore anyone to go look at how they vote. And, and I look back at when lynching came up. I'm talking to national level. I'm bringing this back down to state. But I looked at that national level when they said lynching should be a crime. And there were two people that said it shouldn't be a crime. And you're like, we should definitely pull, like, you should know those people's names, you know. And it's the same thing at the state level. 
when we're talking about how you're actually voting when it comes to working people, whether it's sick time, their wages, protection at work, um, safety, it is important. And we know that Ben and Max Morrissey that just passed away, those two brothers are also union brothers. We're talking about safety on the job. Now, not only are their families hurting as it comes to losing a loved one, their families are also going to hurt financially, you know, we're talking about um, emotionally and spiritually. So protecting workers, when we invest in the workers, it makes a difference. So I'm just going to go back. Again, I understand things may cost more. Mm-hmm. But when you look at how much it costs to shop at Kroger, which is a union shop compared to Walmart, you ain't saving much. But what you are doing is you're reinvesting in your community by saying the workers here, I know are going to be, um, they're going to have certain rights. And when I need a job, I can work here. So we're looking at that part. But we have to at some point say, where do we start to really look at where we are as Ohioans or American workers? And what are the values that that need to be upheld and held specific to make sure that this country continues forward for the next two, three, four, five hundred generations? And at the rate we're going, we're going to not own anything. What America is going to be is for lease. And we don't want to be a leased country. You know, we're selling off everything. Some things have to be retained. And we can start by making America stronger and making Ohio stronger by first investing in the workers. There was a, I'll have to, I'll, we'll talk about it at coffee or after. I can't I find, I can't find the one thing that said there's, there's a real fast way to, to slow down some of this inflation. Okay. Like, I'm interested. Go ahead. It was something, and I'm paraphrasing here. You just have to make sure that somebody who's like super rich doesn't need to buy that extra boat. <laughs> like, right. but, but you people can't like people really can't stop themselves, and we're we're, we're all guilty of that. Well, you in know a way. why? I would say this. So there was a class I took, and again, I've taken a lot of classes to understand the dichotomy of the American worker and how it comes into playing the corporations. And they were saying, why, why do working class people always like they'll vote against their best interest, or mm. they'll say, well, yeah, they're they, you know, the rich should have more for estate taxes. We should make sure, you know, the rich should have this because. There is, going back to what we talked about, the American dream is the harder you work, the more you earn, the better you get. One day, I'm going to be rich. One day, so we have this thought as working class people, that doesn't happen anymore. No. If you're not born rich, you ain't going to get rich. Here's the truth. So we've got to really start having that story. The American dream has evolved, Mm -hmm. and people don't want to realize that I can work hard every day. And doesn't matter I'm going to get any farther because the way the laws are written, the way um, things are being done in this country, and who's being given the tax breaks, and who's been given the, the you can go this way but not this way. And that is what's going on. And so we've got to start letting people know you can work hard every day of your life. You're not going to get rich. You have to be born rich to get rich yeah. or have connections. So here it is. Instead of doing that, start to vote for things that make sense for you right now. Not when you get rich, because that may not happen. And that's what what would start. What is continuing to happen is people are voting against, like estate taxes. I'm and I'm and you're you're a much better historian than me, but it's because things pop in. Do you remember that when um, what do you and it is an estate tax, but okay, you're my dad, mm-hmm. and and you pass away, mm-hmm. and you're a millionaire. You're giving up forty percent of that yeah. back to your community because we had this we had this idea. Even if you were rich and you were born into a rich family. You had to work hard in order to get that right. That mm-hmm. that work ethic was something. Now there's no work ethic. It's like just keep passing on. You don't have to worry about being, a, you know, working hard. You don't have to identify with anybody. So when that starts happening, we see this this gap now that why pay working past people more? Just work hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, but you know who that applies to? And I remember the other point you brought it back up. The American dream is not that anymore. You talked about the American reality, but. The American dream is just that still for some people who come for one percent. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I love when we get a chance to debate. Okay, go for it, E. <laughs> like the the people that just got sent from Florida to the doorstep of oh. Kamala. Like those people. Like and granted, right. they might be a very small percentage of people. Right. Um, to to them, I mean, everything is perspective. Everything is is relative. Um, right. I would say for the majority of people that, that you and I engage with, you're right. The American dream is now the American reality and it's harder than ever to move out of, to move up 
I mean, it's easy to move down, get one hospital bill you weren't expecting, but it is very hard to move up out of the class that you were born yes. into. And I, I honestly don't, I would love to sit here and record for hours, but we can't. Um, we could, but... <laughs> Nobody want to like, listen to us. <laughs> these problems are so inscrutable and, and yes. beyond the scope of just one single solitary fix. I was uh, having a mini argument with Dan Ortiz yesterday on Twitter. Like, I'm happy that people are going to get... Um, their college loans uh, evaporated. I am a little concerned and nobody's been able to say anything one way. We don't know yet. Um, is that all those people and all the, all that money that people now have back in their pocket or don't have to put out going to bump inflation up a little bit more? Um, there's just so many things that we don't know and I'm so terrified these days. Maybe it's because of a lot of COVID things because there have been so many results-oriented things happening so frequently. I'm terrified of like, Unintended, con- unintended consequences in so many ways. Well, I think when you look at the school loan thing, the thing that uh, I was having to talk and someone says, well, I just don't think it's right if I had to pay for my school loan that you have to do it. $10,000 ain't blip. I mean, really think about it. Um, that $10,000 what I paid for my daughter just about to her, just for her room and board at the University of Toledo. <laughs> when was this, though? Uh, see, she's at grad school now, so about, about four years ago. Okay. It was $7,800. How how old is she? She's 23. Okay, so she's Gen Z. It's the millenn- I mean, the millennials are the ones getting drilled by all this. They're, they're, yeah. These are the people we're talking about. The people and, that- and us. Because remember, we we took out a lot of school loans. I, my husband's to, still paying on his. You didn't go to college. I know, I, I know. Didn't go to college. I'm identifying. I'm identifying. Yes, I, right. And I have no problem with somebody else getting getting some reprieve when somebody else did not like i paid mine yeah okay asshole well when my dad went to penn state it was like a grand a semester right. now it's like 21 grand so they often overlook how that, about people that think it's so i always laugh about i said i said okay when did social security start like the 1920s or whatever i said so what about everybody before that so did, did they turn around and say oh you shouldn't get social security because i never got any social security yeah there are so many programs that were set up there was there wasn't snap there wasn't TANF. there weren't and i'm not saying these are People call them handout programs or not. No, they're supposed to help people so that people don't go poor in the richest country in the world. Unless you count Dubai now because they're coming right. pretty quick. <laughs> but, I mean, seriously, that's why those were in place. So when you talk about that $10,000, but let me add some too to help your argument. Sure. Next time you talk to our friend Danny Ortiz. Um, when I was talking to my... Um, and my son-in-law, he made a good point. He said, well, I think that's great. They get, they get their $10,000 on being, um, what do you call it, relieved or whatever. He said, but that is on my secured school loan at the 3% interest rate. Right. I have an unsecured loan yeah. with 13. So when you talk about is it going to mess with inflation, I don't think so. Because half of those people, probably over half of them, I don't know. Again, I'm doing um, fuzzy math, not true math, still have their unsecured loan with these high interest rates. So... I don't think it's going to do anything but allow them to switch the money over to pay off those yeah. unsecured and, loans. And, <laughs> sure, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just... <laughs> right. it, there, it's let's un- talk to people. You should go to the street and do like Jimmy. Oh, boy. What is no. your thought on that? All right, let's get away from the money thing. Okay. And I asked you this before, I'm going to ask you again. Okay. Um, and, and every time I see someone threatening a strike, I have the same <laughs> <laughs> the same laugh. I, not... I, the strike, no. walk out, whatever. Like, and and I, I think we said this before when we recorded. You you cannot have empty threats to go on strike. You you have okay. to be willing to do it. And I think we talked about this before as well. I get why you are so terrified too, because you cannot miss a single paycheck. It was easier to strike decades ago when the gap was smaller and you could go a month without one income. People can't do that now. And they're in such a vice. So Mm -hmm. other than sheer numbers of union, how do they win that battle against employers? You mean with the strike or without a strike? With numbers... Without a strike, you can win with numbers, but you have to have that threat. But right. if employers continue to go, ha, they're not going to walk out. They're not going to care. They'll just fire you and bring in more people. And they will lawyer the hell out of you, Miss Union Lady. <laughs> with no with no union. Yeah, they do bring in their attorneys. Yeah, that- because guess what? Is I, You know I adore you, and you you did say to me, a parent, you are pro-union. And pro- I am. <laughs> I just know that Amazon has better lawyers than any union. <laughs> yeah, because we're working class people, right? Yeah. Our yeah. money is small. The, 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 the deck. <laughs> It's like, what's right. your favorite sport? <laughs> my favorite sport? You know, I really don't like sports. Can I Damn. say my favorite show? I love House of Dragons. 
Okay. All, All right. right. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. There we are. Woo. All right. All right. So, uh, so Big Dragon shows up to Dracon. Little Dra- to Little okay. Dragon fight. Okay. The Big Dragon is always going to win because it's the Big Dragon. Right. He, has I, more I, re- he has more resources. I, I, I Bigger mean, tail, this, more fire. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's like Amazon versus Union. And I know there's a there's a guy who is now like shaking hands with the president, uh, a young black guy who yeah, dresses no. like me out in like Long Island. Yeah. He's fighting Amazon, and I want him to win. I just don't know where his win is, other than small bumps. Because at the end of the day, these massive corporations can just beat down unions. Yeah, and you know what? It um, there's two things for that. The first part, I always say there's there would be no um, David without Goliath. So what you have to do is be more strategic. So really decide what you're fighting for and what you're striking for. So there, a lot of times, what people don't realize, just the threat of the strike. You know, and but there's some there's so many other. That's what the public sees or people see that aren't part of unions. There is a whole nother back end of that. That that strike is 10 percent of the action. Before that, we're mobilizing. We're talking to our members. We make sure your members understand. And, And to go on strike, that strike is voted for. The authorization has to be voted for by the members. Mm-hmm. So if people don't want to go, we don't go. But then you have to understand there's other things we have to do within that if you're not going to go on strike. Now, remember, also, um, you can be locked out by the employer, which we saw. We see some people do. They'll lock That it. happened with baseball in a big story last yeah. fall because they – they locked out the players because they didn't want the players to go on strike. Right. So trust me, employers have, and that's what we have to understand. They can also do the same. They can lock you out or you can, or workers can walk out. The thing is that the most important part is strikes can be avoided if it wasn't all about money. Now think about this. And when I say money, where I'm not talking about wages specifically, if you look at the rail workers, why were they? Why what was their big fright that they were going to go on strike? Oh, about? it was health insurance and premiums. <laughs> but but that's but that's money now. Yes, it's it's money now. Things yeah. it's really changed. So why I'm, why I'm bringing that up is, is where you're headed. Where why people are interested in unions and how unions are evolving. So when I'm talking about safety on a job, why why do why do basketball players and football players why do they why do they go on strike and step out because of safety on the job? They're like or not being paid. I show up. It's money. It's it's still money, right? But, it's, I mean, everything. But it's a different type of money. But everything, I mean, everything comes down right. to money. Like, we, except this, and I'm, I'm okay. challenging you on go, this. So, go, go, go. No, no, no. So we're talking about money. Save people's safety. It costs money because you got to, you know, them being off work. If they're off work, that's money. If you're talking about um, buying equipment or resources, that money, that's money. So if a corporation can look at someone and say, "You're costing me too much money." Then they no longer see you as a human being. Oh right, you're, they see you're, you as a commodity. You're a speck on a on a spreadsheet, and yes. I have been a part of this, and, and I've watched it happen to, to my friends yes. in debt ridden industry. This person is good at what they do; they mm-hmm. make too much money. We're going to get rid of them and lose twenty percent of skills and expertise, but yes. also take forty percent of the pay away, which helps our debt. And we'll worry about if there is performance loss, if there is any. Right. And what exactly. So that is why workers really have to band together. So the strike isn't the most powerful part. It is the it is the outward action that we're withholding our service. We've got to the point now that withhold our services. The most impactful part is mobilizing membership and having people come together to take those small actions that lead up to that big. action. What are the small actions, though? Oh wow! It's, they're all they're all they're all tiny measures <laughs> right. to me. Well, there's funny. We do things like we all wear red because a red T-shirt. When you see a union member with a red T-shirt on, it means we're honoring those who have died before us, who have died in service of their job. That's what the red T-shirt means. So there's all wearing the same colors. Where if you all come in and you see a hundred people come into the office with all red, you're like, what? Let you know, employer know something. We're talking. Uh, there's little clicker things, little things that, but there's also mo- there's also things you can do, like do your own sit-ins at work. So there are a lot of things that happen. I want you to jump in mm-hmm. that that when people see the strike, the strike is the point where the worker has said, that, "You're no enough, longer to work with me." Enough is enough. Enough is enough. I don't. I'm willing to. I'm willing to possibly lose my home. I'm willing to do all these things that I could lose in order to gain my self-respect, my dignity, my health care, because if I don't, I may not have anything for my family to move forward. So that's a that's an important part that I think people miss when when they're looking at why would a worker go on strike? And yeah, it is harder. So what people don't know, a lot of unions, 
the workers have put together strike funds to yeah. help pay their members so they can be out. So you don't have to choose whether or not you want dignity on the job because you're not just a dollar sign. You know, the only thing they seem to cross is dollar signs. You're not, but you're treated like that. Right. That, that's why you can wear all the red shirts you want. Amazon doesn't care. Right. You can have all the solidarity you want. You just keep that's doing... where the community comes in. So if I can't go on strike... But the community doesn't scare management. Like I know. only, only. Stri- I agree. I'm not going to disagree with Let that. Let me give you the Starbucks example because here, here's how I see it. Okay. You, the Starbucks, more and more of them are mobilizing in big cities, and some have been successful. Great, you're all going to wear red or whatever. Um, and then customers come in who love their barista because they make the perfect drink. What are you guys wearing red for? We're, we'd like to be paid more. I absolutely think you should be paid. Give more. me a red shirt. Hell yeah, hell yeah, to the worker. <laughs> Um, so then things start to to get worse, and there's threat of a, a threat of a strike, and then that regional Starbucks. And if my my equation here is wrong, tell me I'm wrong and, and walk me back. Then regional goes, okay, this is becoming a problem. It's time for us to break, and we're going to calculate. We're going to do our algorithms, and here's how many cents extra we can pay you. You win, and by the way, the prices go up. And then all of a sudden, you have now put the consumer against the employee. And this goes back to my shop local thing. Everybody, we all, most people do, a lot of people care about other people. But when your money is affected, you bunker down. You hunker down and worry about yourself. And you stop caring about that red shirt. And you'd rather have a 350 Starbucks than 385. No matter if in the long run, you're that employee and you need somebody to have your back. Because money is so tight now, you can't spare that 35 cents. And I'll be damned if you think I'm going to Tim Hortons instead of Starbucks. We're making my coffee at home. You don't be slumming it? Look, I, 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 again, not pessimism, but I have seen this in my line of work. I, I was right at the end of the millennials. I have watched this. I have watched the gap grow insurmountably. And big corporations, they pit they pit employees against each other. They do. And then they pit employees, as I just illustrated, against the consumer. And the consumer will always cover their debit card more than the employee, unfortunately. Right. And you know what? And it goes back. And I was joking when I was saying that, but because uh, I'm a coffee snob also, but I'm also a service snob. You know, I go. Why do I? Why do I? The service at Tim Hortons and the service at Starbucks is pretty much. I I've been both. Good service. So it's definitely cop. But when it comes to also that service, I'm willing to pay a little more for good service. Me too. And so I'm one of those people. But like you said, I rather cut down on having my coffee every day to know if you have to pay more. If I if and do that to save money, then I am not to pay more to see that my community moves ahead. And I know I'm an anomaly. I know I'm an anomaly. But there has to be a point when we talked about again, the American dream has been is American realist. Like you said, it's been There's no it, dream. It's evolved. It doesn't exist anymore. But no. you know what? That was for I've told you about my dad. That was for my dad, who was born in 1949. It was 70 years ago. The right. world is completely different. It's different. And and to illustrate like um, everybody's watching Dahmer now. Congratulations. Thanks for glorifying a guy who killed people and ate their brains. <laughs> is that uh, what that is? I saw it. Yes. I was like, Don't what? You remember, is this it? Don't you remember? I remember this, this guy. Yeah, I didn't know that's what. <laughs> so it's sort of like Silence of the Lambs on crack? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then I believe a lot of his problems were because he was a, a repressed homosexual. I think he was bludgeoned to death, I believe, for that in prison. In prison, yes. It's a very sad and tragic story. And now that we're smarter, we go, this guy was a broken human. Let's. This is me. This is my thing. Like, let's fix these people so they're not eating brains. But to show you where we've come and how far ago it is, you, my dad had to had to get under his desk for nuclear drills because Japan was going to bomb us. You didn't do that? I remember I did it to fourth grade. I remember getting under your desk, and I don't know how getting under your it desk was, was going right. to protect you from right. a bomb. But you're like, okay. Okay. The, the, yeah. The dream is they di- stopped in fourth grade. In the same way that we now know that an American is not a when when you look at it when you think of an American, you think of a white male, probably kind of sporty, athletic build, or maybe a little rural with a gut, and he's a he's a blue collar guy out, and he's a farmer. We don't that doesn't look like that anymore. It looks like you. There's a different tone of skin because we're more a melting pot than ever before. We have to kill the American dream in the same way that we're kind of domering. You have to go to college. We're, <laughs> I, t- I told Dan, like the best, like we haven't fixed the problem because 
we put a Band-Aid on it, and it was probably a political maneuver. Fine. Um, but college still costs that much. If anything, right, we right. raise the flag of, it's very expensive. Don't go unless you absolutely have to. There are a lot of good jobs out here. T- tell me your story. You are a very successful woman, and you started this conversation by saying, you didn't say it, but you didn't go to college. No, I didn't. Um, I, I've been going to college off and on, but I, I just never believed that you, a college degree would make me more successful. I, I just always have had a work ethic. And I believe if you work hard and you're self-educated and you take classes needed. Now, I'll tell you that everyone around me, and it was very hard because my husband has his degree, his dad had his degree, my mom has her degree, my sister has her degree, her master's, you know, my daughter's working on her master's. So it was very hard. But the thing my sister and my husband always said to me, they're like, yeah, but why did we get these degrees? To make money. (laughs) So I started thinking about that. And so if we really start to change the way we we used to be proud. And I'm I'm just going to say this and I'm going to see if you agree with me or not. The issue has been you hear people always talk. My mom and dad worked hard. My mom worked at a a can factory. You know, my Hmm. dad worked at UAW. And that's how I was able to go to college. And I always would tell my daughter, I was like, I'm not working hard every day for you to go to college. I'm working hard every day so you can see how hard what the work it takes for you to get to where you have to be. So we started really saying, even for us, think about how we sell ourselves out. Even as a worker, and I work hard every day and I do this job, I'm telling my kids, I'm still not good enough. I'm still not, this is not where you want to be at. Of course you want your children to do better than you. But I'm never going to say that the only way you can get better than me is to go to college. I told my kids, whether you go to college or whatever, I want you to do better than me because you have more resources to better me. And we never, we haven't done that. We've told our, we've told a generation of kids that we worked hard so you could go to college. And that may be true, but I worked hard to make sure you could do better than me. I don't know how that's going to happen, whether you go to college or not. Yeah. Got to take that back. That, that, that paradigm shift is happening. Um, I, just two weeks ago, um, you might have seen the story that UT is not panicked, but they should be. That enrollment is way down. That's because uh, they don't listen to their union. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> We've brought up really good points to UT. And what is their number one commodity? If you talk about the cross the dollar sign, students. The, the football team. Well, yeah. <laughs> true, true. I agree. And, and that's, the, that's a big problem with higher education. Right. And that, that's probably not the right answer for UT, right. but for Ohio State it is. Right. If you had to keep one thing at Ohio State, it's not the most valuable, smartest professors putting the most people out in the yes. world. It's the goddamn football team. We, we don't pay our professors right. Um, and I have great professor, great respect for the press, professors at University of Toledo. We don't take care of our students. We tore down all the dilapidated parking garages, and we didn't have a plan to do anything with parking, but we're still going to charge you. There are a lot of things going on at the University of Toledo, but this is where you talk about that disconnect, again, from, from what really goes on for a, a child, and I call them young kids, that their dream is to go to college, and maybe it was their parents' dream for them to go to college because they never could. Yeah. And they go there, and then the, you, you can't get enough professors because you don't want to pay, and they're leaving and going to the University of Michigan or they're going to the University of Finley because people are not being paid or treated correctly. If we want to start turning the University of Toledo around, as much investment as we do in our football team, we need to do in our professors, we need to do in the people that take care of the university, like my members with CWA, and we need to do all of that to benefit the number one commodity of the University of Toledo, that's the students that build this community. Then we keep people here, and people want to stay in the state of Ohio. I hear people talking about all the time about borders. We don't live anywhere near the Texas border, but we live here near these Ohio borders. And if you want to keep we, our thing, we need to worry about is how to keep people in, how to get them to come into Ohio. You and I are <laughs> above the scare tactics of certain parties that we don't need to talk about. Right. Serious but, question, and it goes back to, to, to my mindset. I'm all for paying professors. I want everybody to be paid commensurate to the to the job that they do. Excellent. Yes. Uh, um, I don't want you to get paid more because you think you should get paid more. Like, let's right. evaluate your duties. And skill then, level. We look at skills. But professors, the first thing that's going to happen if you raise their their salaries is you're going to raise tuition rates. Something has to pay. Something has to pay for that. Look, I I want to pay people more, and like like I've said, well, how do we how do we love? I, I tell you, and I'm not I'm just you've got to start privatizing our universities. Stop privatizing even and the, start investing in them. Even the private universities are really expensive. They're all run like businesses, and it goes back to what you just said. Yes. It goes back to this this thing I want to find you. This story that I read says we can fix this. That guy just has to buy one less boat. 
Um, we can get things under control pretty quickly, but I, I, I don't know the inner functions of corporations and small businesses, medium businesses that I know, they don't make enough profits to, to make a dent. They want to, they, they, for the most part do care about their workers unless they're just an asshole or a dick of a boss or whatever. You have to be, and, and again, this is a big macroeconomic thought. I don't hear it thrown around a lot, but it's, it, it might be just the silver bullet. You have to be willing to take less profits. That's it. That's the end of the day. But when you are beholden to Wall Street, where you and oh. I might have money, it becomes a problem. Right. Right, it does. That, that's it. Like, if you're just okay. willing to make less profits and have what, and I'm being very hyperbolic, but instead of three boats, one boat. Um, Eric, I was going to say, Eric, you know those easy solutions never work out. Because nobody likes, they're like, oh, you're trying to hurt me. It does, you know. I, you know what, I will say something I love about small business and that, and I can only talk about because I know this, our community. I love the way small business steps up, though. And if more corporations would look at how small businesses are ran, I think we would see a big change where they wouldn't necessarily lose profits. They would gain market share. And so you have to think, sure. what do you want to gain? Our sure. profits, obviously, profits aren't the end all be all, but market yes, share are. is. Okay, yeah, <laughs> you are. But you're, I think you're, market share is where you, you are. You're, you're, you're right. How and I have been in these meetings. How can we reduce costs or whatever it might be, but maintain our profits? Okay, we're going to pay our professors more. Well, we're going to find a way to creatively market that and everything else so that we don't have to raise tuition but we can maintain our profits and it's by doing things like that like maybe you can cut all that uh, that top heavy bs that's going on at a lot of corporations and universities we don't i mean how many deans do you need how many we need more we don't need more of that it's like look at how the infrastructure or how they're set up and one of the greatest um i would say organizations i've seen really restructure if you look at our Toledo Lucas County Library, it's been completely restructured because they were like, you know, we don't need a management of book stacking. And I'm, I'm making I'm, this is not really what it was. But I'm like, sure. A book st- oh, then we have a manager to restack the books. Now we have a manager to unstack the books. Now we have this manager to decide if those stacks are high or low. They came through and they said, we don't need that is one. What do you say? One job classification, one job duty. Instead of having four or five people and paying them as much money, we can really consolidate this and have one person. Oh, but consolidation is a very scary word because you are putting people out of work. At no, not, but the library they they did not do all that. What they did is they moved people into positions that may. So maybe you were the head of. You have to look at their 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 org chart. I get what you're saying. They but, said okay, so Erica and Erica do the same job. Erica, you're gonna have to do that. Erica, we're gonna have to do that. They re. We're talking about the American realist, not the American dream. You've got to start moving things in a line so you can be profitable. You can't be profitable if you've got 15 people that are all doing similar duties. But you can when you realign them with market share. I just, I'm just i a big market share person sure. more than profit because I think market share drives your profits. Yeah. And then guess what? You can, you can pay people what they need to be paid. I'm not saying everybody gets a raise off, but the people are being taken care of. You can take care of your customers and you can remain profitable mm-hmm. when you have the right market share. Why do people love Costco? Uh, they treat their people well. It's a, it's a great place to shop. Like, and the hot dog's a dollar fifty. There you but the go. Pop, where else can you do? Inflation has not hit the hot dog and the pop at Costco. You know why? That's market share. It says, I appreciate you so much as my customer. I'm going to keep it right here. But it is, maybe you are thinking... Maybe we're thinking the same thing, but I I outwardly think that that's a scientific strategic play. <laughs> right, it is. It, it's it, not just a gesture. They know that if they raise the price of those foundational elements of the only way the, their parent, parents can get through Costco is telling their kids they can have a hot dog. If that hot dog goes up, it becomes a news story. And then it becomes you lose a little bit of that good vibe you have about Costco. So they're willing to make, make that thing like a lost leader so they can continue the good vibe. I completely agree. Like their prices share, have went up. Vibe. <laughs> their good. prices went up. But have people people still go and they pay a membership to shop at Costco. Has the, me- the membership has not gone up, right? Not that I've no, I'll know this okay. year won't I? <laughs> I right. better look. But I, but it's just that I I think there has to be Look, America's changing. Whether you talk about the way, um, our, whether you talk about how it looks, where we're headed, and who 
profits and who gets to win and experience the American dream, whether you talk about what states now are becoming like powerhouses, whether states are no longer the road to the White House, whatever you say, there's one thing that hasn't changed, and that is our values as working people. Overall, that value has not changed. We've got to get back to our values in this country. We've got to come together what we really believe in, and we've got to continue to build this country. It doesn't need to be rebuilt. We got to continue to build this country forward for future generations, and we do that when we come together with our values. Uh oh, you got that look. He's about to. <laughs> okay. What, what if I tell you? Okay. What we've been bouncing back and forth with is not new, and it has always been the case. Not maybe for all of civilized history, like those at the top have always been able to prey on. Everyone else, whether it's the middle or the bottom. Now, it got supercharged during the first Gilded Age of the Industrial Revolution. Um, but we have be, we have been in the technology age. And you, you and everybody else see, like, how much money. There's tech billionaires and whatnot. This has always been the game. And that's right. why we need people like you to continue to fortify people who want to fight that fight as opposed to cow not cowards like me i just want to fight the They're battles i can win <laughs> no it's I'm every strategic. voice <laughs> yeah we need strategy and i'm not you know um people always ask me why why i'm running for office and, and i tell them all the time i just believe we can do better I, and i i don't i think of all the people that want to change but they had to believe in the change by starting to do better. Change doesn't happen without doing better. And you know what? I don't know what that change looks like in this country. I have an idea of what I want it to be. But I'm going to start doing better so that even though I am I may not be here, my generation may pass on and maybe two or three generations down the road. But at least I know that I did small things to make sure the change happened, whether I get to experience it or not. And that's something that I never forgot about when we look at our leaders from you know, like the civil rights um, age, or you look at women's rights, you look at, you know, um, Harvey Milk and the movement for gay rights. You know, when you look at all these people saying all people are created equal, this is our country. We have values and everyone should be able to have that. The equal part was a lie. I know. I mean, the, all those founding documents, total bullshit. But we, but because we had to fight for those rights. That's what I'm saying. It goes back. Yeah. We, all, we always say, all rights are created equal, and you got to fight a little bit for them too, right? But when you look at those people, every person, no matter what movement you look in, whether it was the abolitionists who said, we don't want slavery anymore, that just because they started to do better and want to make things better, it took decades. Yeah. You've got to start now. If we believe that this country, this state, where you live at is worth fighting for, then you got to start now because right now is when it matters so that we can start to have a country and a state and where you live at, your community, that starts to turn. And we do that very simply by doing better now. And where you do better, support your local business. So it costs 20 cents more for a coffee. That money is going right back into your community. It is staying right here. And you know what? That person is probably going to be the one that gives your kid a job that pays them, that not only pays them decently, but also treats them with respect. Because you know what? That's your neighbor. That person knows you when you see them. You know what? When you walk in the grocery store and you can see Marcy Captor, Wade Caps of Cabbage, you know, or Don Atkins, or um, you see, um, I would say, like Nick Comives, and you see those people, that matters in this community. You can't get that anywhere else in this country. So if we just start to do better and, and recognize, I don't care if you're Republican. A Republican came out the door and he said, I know who you are. I'm a Republican. I said, all right, man, you're a voter. It's nice to meet you. We got something in common. I vote. You vote. We he, have values. That Republican might be pro-union as well. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I just want to... I believe, Eric, what you're doing, you're, you're saying, you, you said I'm a coward. No, you're not. You're very brave because this part makes a difference in us starting to do better. Because change is way out there, but it's attainable. But we start by making small differences today. Yeah. I, I forget where I heard this, but people don't want change. Change comes too fast. People who want change, change comes too slow. Oh, I like that. That's true. I know, right? That's unless you're a plastic surgeon, then that's all different, and then you can get changed really quick. But you got to have a lot of change, change, a lot of. We're talking about tits or a butt. <laughs> I just want to keep my face in place. There you go. <laughs> if, after a certain age, you don't care um, about that. <laughs> November, November ninth. Yeah. Election day. November eighth. November eighth. November 9th is rest day. Got it. Got it. Got so, it. So yes, and I'm it, I'm excited. Oh, so that's weird. What's that? Election Day is always the first Tuesday of the month, unless it's the, the first Tuesday of November, unless it's the first day of the month. Oh, that's why it's the 8th. Yeah. It is November 8th. I did, know you, I have... did you know that? No, I did not. 
Now you got a little election nugget. No, yeah, yeah I'm I like pretty that. sure that's what it is. Okay. Well, good luck. Thank um, you. I appreciate that. Thank you for doing what you do. If people have questions, any questions at all about unions, uh, whatever it may be, how can they get in touch with you? We can do one. You can call my union hall, which is 419-661-4319. You can ask, speak to me. I think I'm extension 21 or 22. That's pretty bad. I can't remember. Or um, you can also um, email me. I, I know this is dangerous. <laughs> CWA and that's C is in cat, W is in Wally, A is in Apple, 4319 at net because I'm old school. You can do that. And again, if you want to learn more about me as a candidate, you can go to Erica for Ohio. Now, Again, it's Erica because in the 70s, that's when things got weird. So it's with the K E R I K A 4 F O R Ohio O H I O. That's org. Just Google Erica with a K white. Yeah, just just Google me. I'm Googleable. I'm, I'm hopefully I'm be Wikipedia, but you know, but no, I'm, I'm excited. Thank you for having this yeah, talk I about love, workers. It's I important. love our discussion, and I, I'm glad you know that I'm on the on your side. I I just try to see the big view because, and if there's one thing that I always try to share with people who are younger than me or people who are considering college, um, part of the technology age is we have arguably access to too much information. I didn't know that my industry was going to collapse on itself. I didn't know that Napster was on the doorstep when I got into things and it changed everything. People now have accessible information where they can have some foresight and maybe dodge some of the things like I have had to give up um, a great deal of salary. I could have done something else, could have gotten my degree and made more money that's better over the long haul. Um, look at what you want to do and see. And it's hard It's hard to predict the future. Right. If we could do that, maybe we wouldn't have COVID. Man, I'd be but, rich. Yeah, exactly. I'd be the 1%. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have, you know, in a weird way, you got to try to predict what's coming with what you want to do mm -hmm. so that six years into your career that you spent $150,000 on and you're still in debt on, it consolidates and goes away because of something else. So that's and what you just said. I'm at the last thing. It's what you just said. When workers have decent wages to sustain their families, it doesn't matter if it's a recession, inflation, whatever's happening on the economy, you can plan for that, and that's why it's so important that we take care of workers in this country. And I and I just believe in that, and that's where I'm at. And I and I love it. And I thank you for this platform yeah, to talk about that talk. because there's all kind of workers that want to be. But and also another thing you said, you said, you know, we're on the same team, but we have different views. Thank God for that. I mean, I'm one of those people. Do not if you agree with me on everything. I can't trust it. Yeah. T-R-U-S-S. -S. I can't trust it. I want you to have the same values and views as me. I hope we do. But I want you to see things differently because that diversity in thought is the same as diversity in having people at the table. It allows you to do great things and up your market share. That's why Michael Jordan's tenure as the owner of the of Charlotte has stunk because he got everybody around him who said, yes, Michael. Yes. You need people to challenge you they a little bit. They said, God, Michael. Yes. Yeah. And, and you want people to say, hey, you know what? I don't think that's a good idea. To not challenge people? No. Oh. To Michael. Oh, to Michael. No. Oh. Like, <laughs> well, people do worship Michael. I do. As you wear your Nike hat. Yes. I, I do. <laughs> but I do. We, we want to make sure also that if we're going to be leaders and we're going to step out, we want people who aren't yes people but have our vision and the goals to do better for people. But we don't have to always agree on everything. If you do, I, I guess you're not married because there's not one married person I'm not or married. anyone in a relationship. What are you saying? Well, do you, do you and your dog always agree? I don't. I remember your dog's name. I'm sorry. Nobody always agrees all the time. I would say right. No. Right. They would want peanut butter all the time. I don't want them to have peanut butter all right. the time. And sometimes you just don't want to agree because it's just fun, right? Yeah. It's like just to and keep things interesting. That's why I'm not in a relationship. <laughs> but it it is is when we're talking about real growth. When you're talking about moving this moving forward, it's talking about concentrating on our values, getting different views, and moving forward. And I'm excited where we can still go. I'm excited to be a part of it, and I'm always excited to come on your show and talk to you. And I like our coffee dates and all that. Um, I, I enjoy that, and, it, and it's, it means a lot to me because when I go and represent people, I can remember these conversations I've had, and it helps me to be a more think more in depth, and also just to not just think like me. Yeah. Thanks for the time, as always. Thank you. I appreciate you having me, Eric. And I appreciate it. We're done.